We just live right now, man. It's going down, excited for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win. I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. Hello, and welcome to the Brew Hoop Podcast, episode 146. I'm Adam Paris, co-managing editor of brewhoop.com. Thrilled to be joined by Riley Feldman tonight. Kyle Carr, I think, is going to jump in midway through the pod, but right now it's Riley and I. We've got the uh, Bucks Pelicans on as I just hit record. The first quarter is just about done. Bucks are almost doubling up their points, so uh, it's looking good for the Bucks so far. We'll see how that goes throughout the uh, rest of the pod recording. But Riley, how are you doing? I'm uh, I'm doing well. It's very cold here. Uh, I pulled my back yesterday doing a lifting routine in my scary basement gym. So we're TBD on my status to play volleyball tomorrow. Um, but I know everybody, all the listeners at home, really scintillated by this. We are three and three on the season so far. Uh, we were horrible the first week. I mean, just got, got just got awful. Um, and we we came together quickly as a team. We gelled quickly. And we united and played as one in a way that I hope similarly the Bucks continue to as they get healthier here and our runway to the postseason gets closer, uh, shortens. But no, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing pretty well. Just came in off the streets of Philadelphia celebrating the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. I, I would call it a tamer. The, the context is much more tame in my regard because I had our 16-month-old daughter with us as we strolled <laughs> through and fireworks were going off and uh booze was flowing flowing freely but uh you know it was a it's a good time out there people are having fun you know the city's celebrating all that kind of jazz um i i i have to ask are you worried about your daughter becoming a philly sports fan or are you gonna are, are you gonna try do you guys have a plan to force her into a specific fandom or are you gonna kind of just let it happen I, you know i'm, I'm gonna let it happen i, I can't say I can't say I particularly care. I, I I won't be surprised if she ends up having almost no fandom um, and she kind of just sees me sort of being this strange fan over in the corner. Like my wife is an Eagles fan, but she didn't grow up watching football at all. She almost didn't watch any sports growing up. So sometimes when I ask her like, Hey, you know, the birds won today. She's like, yeah, I doubt it. I was like, well, no, they, they won. <laughs> like, I don't really, they're like, they're 14 like, that wasn't three. a question. That was, yeah. that was a statement. <laughs> so, you know, she's a fan insofar as she also enjoyed putting on her Eagle shirts and like shouting go birds and going up and down the streets. But as for Haley, I, I'm not, I don't need her to become any type of particular sports fan. It, it might even be, more fun if she's a fan of my wife's team so then there's like a little more spirit in the house for those teams as well uh so right are you trying to suggest that being a fan of wisconsin sports is a depressing endeavor for the most part or <laughs> you, you know it's it's it is a little bit depressing uh, <laughs> but ho- hopefully it's on the upswing now the one thing i want to ask you about volleyball though i think we might have covered this before since you, you've come back what sort of skills did you feel like you brought back um, and, and improved upon in, in sort of the same way Giannis does every off season. <laughs> yeah. What, what does my bag look like? <laughs> yeah. <nowadays? laughs> Non-existent. Um, it's very strange. I've never played hard floor volleyball before. So I almost, you have to work so hard on sand to get to wherever you have to get to, to like meet the ball at the right points that now I get to it way before the ball actually gets there. It's not like a <laughs> brag about me being athletic. It's just, I'm able to move a lot quicker. Um, I'd say my set game is pretty good. The bumps have come a long way and it's obviously as the base to how you play. It's a critical skill. Um, so I'd say that's like average now and I'm, decent at setting my hits are relatively mediocre and i can't block uh worth my life so um i'm an average player at best but we have a lot of newbies on the team so i look like a god compared to them which is you know it's both both a blessing and a curse i guess to be in that position but my bag is not deep whatsoever <laughs> we have kyle carr who just jumped on the pocket as you can tell kyle we have not gotten to the well we've we're, we're into the substantive part of the podcast recording for sure so i'm glad i was gonna say it looks like philly's still in one piece is that correct like <laughs> philadelphia hasn't burned down yet no one's eating no. horse poop 
No, no horse poop. The worst thing I've seen so far is people stood on top of a bus stop and the it just collapsed. The ceiling and they all <laughs> fell in. So, but that's the worst I've seen so far. So that's pretty good. I mean, granted, it was kind of the once the cube once the final QB got hurt, <laughs> it kind of felt like this game is over. So maybe they just got they were kind of like, yeah, we already won. We're good. Maybe in a couple of weeks, but no, I, I'm good. Um, was just in Waukesha visiting my parents, so that was kind of fun, which is hence why I'm a little bit late. Otherwise, life's been good. I'm in week, I'm gonna go into week two of my break in between jobs. It's been great all last week. I just sat and played video games and did some minor chores. So started playing God of War Ragnarok, enjoying that a lot. Um, yeah, I, I haven't really done anything of substance lately. Kyle, is is it safe to assume that you did some deep film study of the games this week? You really dialed in to, <laughs> to, to bring you know, or... I, I was ready to do a whole deep dive on the Pacers game and talk about how fluid this offense looks. And then that second half happened. I was like, maybe not. <laughs> maybe I should just stop and hold on. I was thinking about doing some deep dive into the tonight's game against the Pelicans, which as we're recording, that game has happened in the first quarter ended and the Pelicans decided we're not going to play anyone of, of importance. <laughs> it's uh yeah, this, I, I, I will say as we move into talking about the games, I, I would say it was a bit of a ho-hum week besides the fact that the Bucks scored a ton of points uh, against lesser teams. So there was a 150-130 win against the Pistons. The, that one was over so quickly, and the, and the Pistons were absolutely destroyed. The Nuggets game wound up being pretty disappointing because Jokic didn't play. And then the Pacers game was, like Kyle said, an, an amazing first half of fluid basketball and then a second half of really turgid, pretty awful, uh, muck-it-up basketball on the Pacers' part, uh, which got to the Bucks. So... You know, anyway, we were going to kind of take these um, just kind of as a group. So uh, anything that like stood out to you, Kyle, from these past few games and, and thoughts? I would say when the Bucks offense is clicking, it really is just unstoppable. And the Pistons game was a lot of fun. It was over within the first five minutes. And yes, the Pistons are not good. But I was having fun watching that game just because it was a simple win. Chris was back. Giannis came back from it. They came back from their injuries. So it was kind of like, a, all right, we get to see this team healthy finally for the first time all season. And then Bobby got hurt in the second half. That kind of just throw that out the window. But it was a between this game and even flashes of the Nuggets game, especially the Pacers game. It was you. You can see what this offense is capable of when they move the ball. I think the ball movement was so good in those two games that it made everything look easy for everyone. And that's kind of the thing where you're kind of hoping you're not going to get 85 points and a half come playoff time. Like that's just not realistic, but if you can get 50, 60 and a half playing this way, and it's not like you're having to force anything. It's not Giannis having to do everything on his own or needing Drew holiday to hit some setback jumpers in the clutch. It was just simply, get the ball moving, get the guy an open shot, open shot goes in, or find someone that down low for Giannis or Brooke or Bobby. It makes a lot of sense. It, it just looked easy for them. And again, the Pacers and the Pistons aren't the best barometer to kind of get that from, but we've been complaining about how there's just not a lot of enjoyment and watch this team play 500 basketball. Then they go for a three and a week. I, I think it was kind of promising. So I think that was really the thing that stood out to me was just how easy the offense could look if they simply just move the ball and not turn it over. My big takeaway, and I have this written down. Here's how, how it is written specifically. Chris Middleton is good. Question mark, question mark, question mark, parentheses, exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, close parentheses. This is stupid, but whenever I think about Chris or any guy who like is injured, Chris almost got into the zone where I was expecting him to come back and look like, he was moving like Udonis Haslam, you know? I was like, he's going to look like he's 45. <laughs> and he came back and he looked like a guy who's in his early 30s and is a high-level athlete. So I was extremely encouraged not only from what Chris is, like, shooting or his passing, but just, like, his movement, especially in the Pacers game. Like, some of the moves he was able to pull off, like going right at defenders, two defenders, kind of leaning, fading away from the baskets. 
the passing upgrade from Chris or from Javon Carter to Chris is <laughs> it can't be cannot be understated. It's uh it's Chris might not be the world's best passer, but he's a significantly better passer than pretty much everybody else on the roster, barring Joe Ingles and uh, occasionally Drew. Um, I liked that we saw minutes of the Drew Joe lineups just to see what it was going to look like. It does not look like so far teams are going to be able to punish us having Joe Ingles out there. And if that's the case, a lineup of Drew, Chris, Joe, Giannis, and then whoever you want, if you want Brooke to go big or if you want somebody else to go small, I think that is a lot of potential to like totally rip opposing teams apart because that's a classic pick your poison. So long as everybody else is kind of keeping active off ball, you have three guys who can pass it. Giannis, who's going to, obviously soak up any attention or be able to just blow by if they try to do an individual defender. Um, and the fifth guy interchangeably is going to be a shooter. So it seems like that has a lot of potential. And again, like Kyle said, the level of competition was not high enough to be like, oh, this is something for sure to like, it's going to work. The Pistons game, it was laughable defense. I'm not sure I've seen defense like that bad. <laughs> it, I think they're having, they're like, they on the broadcast they're having like the third worst defensive like season in their franchise's history going back to like the 60s so i'm a horrible horrible defense but that sounds accurate (laughs) (laughs) you still these are still guys who haven't played a lot together chris is still coming back and to be that effective and all we've complained about is that the offense sucks i mean you know this is kind of a banner week for the offense not sucking so i think a lot of promise we got a lot of season to go there's going to be ups and downs but if we roll with those two guys and see how far we can go, uh, I think there's a lot of potential there. So that's, I think that was the most positive development of the week for sure. When you, when you're talking about the offense looking better, Kyle, how much of that do you kind of give to Chris, maybe being another steady hand, the team hitting more threes. So that opening everything up level of competition, how do you kind of mix that into the, to the high level of performance from this past week? I'd say the biggest thing is the actually hit being able to hit threes just because we've seen pretty much all the shooters shoot record like career lows or significantly lower than their average. So this weekend, I mean, the Pistons game, they were like they were 23 of 52. I think in the first half of the Pacers game, they had made like 10 or 11. They, they were just on fire in the Pacers game. Um, the Nuggets game was kind of more of a norm, I would say, for the kind of what we've seen lately. But even, I would say, since that Charlotte Hornets game where they got the doors blown off of them, we've seen more competent offense from them, which is an encouraging sign. So I would say them being able to hit threes helps because then it forces them to come out on the shooters, which then you can get a pump fake and you can kind of drive and kick or they get the ball, they can keep it moving and whoever has it, they feel more comfortable shooting the ball. Uh, so I think that's the biggest thing. I think Chris being out there helps. Um, and you can tell in the Pacers game when he hit his minutes restriction and they took him out, it, the offense definitely struggled a little bit more. And part of that could have been they were coasting because they were like, we're up 30. We don't, we can kind of coast. And then that coasting came back to kind of bite them in the ass. But I, I think having more of a steady presence uh, with Chris has helped them. But I think the biggest thing is the three point shoot. I think they, Shot like 43% against the Nuggets. They're, again, 23-52 on Monday against the Pistons. And against the Pacers, I think they were already in double digits and shooting a very high percentage, which was always going to come back down to the mean. Um, so I would say it would, if I had to put in an order, it would be three-point shooting, Chris, and the competition, just because the Nuggets without Jokic definitely aren't the same team and the Pacers without Halliburton. We won't shoot. Like some guys won't shoot north of 50% from three forever, but this feels like a mean correction because they were just so bad for so long. Like Pat was so bad for so long, like just way beneath his averages. And then this week he, he like lit it up in pretty much every single game. Um, Grayson has been good from three. Uh, Brooke has been good from three. Like all the guys who you reliably are like, Oh, Joe has been like, since his very cold start, he's been decent from three as well. All these guys are kind of just climbing back into their mean of what you would expect them to do. So um, I don't look at it as like, this is totally unsustainable. It'll maybe cool off a little bit, but I hope 
we're able if we do cool off we don't cool back down to like nobody can make a three again um that's that's the difference is like do we reach just some sort of equilibrium for a lot of the shooters and i think that'll just kind of come down to like how many games consistently can these guys play together like the lineups what kind of understand chris being out there i think you immediately see there's just a little bit more space and again he's able to find guys in the right pockets and he his passing through and over defense is a lot more accurate than Giannis's. So when he creates, it's like, okay, there's probably a good chance of these guys who expect to get the ball from Giannis, but maybe like down here or they have to go up to grab it or whatever. If it's a little bit more on point because one of your lead guys is able to get it there, I think that helps everybody out. So I expect a natural rising just from having a little bit better ball creation from Chris um, and then guys just shooting just naturally, you know, more towards their career averages. So. Um, hopefully that just kind of continues. I think it will. Yeah, the team's up to, let's just ended up there, up to around 18th in terms of overall three-point percentage. So middle of the pack, which is which is good. And it's also kind of obviously, like we said, a marker that they've been shooting so hot for so many weeks and they're still only 18th. I think it's sort of the same thing with their offensive rating right now. They've been really hot for a while and they're still in the bottom 10, I believe, in the league in terms of offensive rating. You know, the other highlight of this week was the, or I guess probably more of a low light, the, the hack of Giannis display. I don't think, I, I'm trying to remember. Can you guys remember the last time this might have happened at all in a regular season game? I, I can't recall anything. But, um, of course, it was Rick Carlisle who decided to to pull this one out. Uh, Kyle, looks like you enjoyed that section of the game. It was like between that and the Bucks just slowly letting the Pacers into the game. It was just a combination of a lot of annoyance. <laughs> um, so that was, I think that for me, that was more of the problem was you're already letting this Pacer team back in the game. And now we have to go through this hacky on. So this game's just going to take even longer. And it was just, it was so blatant too. Cause it was as soon as it got across half court, someone is wrapping up Giannis and the ref is calling and it's like, okay, well that's cool. That's great. That's what we want to see. So we had to deal with that. And thankfully, and I mean, I understand why they did it, because before then Giannis was struggling pretty badly at the free throw line. And then thankfully Giannis decided to get it together and was, I I think he was five of eight or something for a stretch. Um, So that was kind of nice where they, he at least was able to make those free throws when the team needed him to do it. But it was just awful basketball because it's just, it's just with the stoppage, and it's like, good lord, this is get, this game's going to take forever because that's and it was. There's still seven, eight minutes left in the game, and it's like they're doing. It's like, good lord, I can't deal with this. <laughs> you know, it, it was just frustrating because it was clear that they were going to do it. It made sense why they did it, and thankfully Giannis turned it around. But it was one of those where you're just kind of sitting there, and it's like this is not fun to watch. But there's nothing you can do about it besides hope that Giannis makes his free throws, which he did. I was totally ready for it to be added to the list of epic collapses we have fully sustained or nearly sustained this season. I was like, <laughs> we 30-balled him in the first half, and then we just like, eh. You know, then Drew just started doing Drew things, a.k.a. giving the team the other, <laughs> giving the team the ball, uh, just stupid shot selection, things like that. Um, but yes, Giannis stepping to the line was good. I want to give a shout-out to Drew for being horrible on offense but still being good on defense because he uh if the Pacers are going to get back into it it's going to be through Buddy Heald's like just catch and shoot shot like threes essentially and in the final quarter I think Heald played six minutes Drew was guarding him off ball the entire time and I think Heald got two attempts up and just one like two in so uh, even when he's making just really strange decisions on offense which I think continued this week because he had a number of turnovers. I think he had like double turnovers in the Nuggets game versus assists. And you know, he got nine assists against the Pacers, but six turnovers as well there. Um, even if he's being a total bonehead, at least he can still defend his ass off. So uh, respect that, Drew. Let's just, now that everybody's back, let's stop turning the ball over, especially just dumb passes. Like, just be smarter about it. Yeah, I, I actually, th- I thought we might have been over some of the turnover bugs after, I think there was like a week of games where they seemed to have it down and, and clearly they're not. The Nuggets game was not, was not good. Um, no. <laughs> and and <laughs> the, 
<laughs> I, I can't remember. I, I, I had to watch it late, but just when, when I rewatched it, I saw Giannis had like turnovers on the first three practically possessions of the game. I was like, this is, this is really bad. I mean, what, so I, I was curious about this. When you guys think about both the turnovers and then I would say not, not that the, I mean, this is kind of natural with the, the rubber band stuff of the league, but the turnovers and then the team going up really big and then the opposing team kind of getting back into it. Do you, do you just kind of attribute that to the team kind of taking their foot off the gas, lack of concentration? Like, is there anything that, that tangible that could really be a reason why that stuff could be happening, Kyle? I think it's definitely a lot of taking the foot off the gas because we've seen on the inverse where they were down against the Knicks and they were able to turn it around and come back and win. And I think when they get into this large of a lead, we and even just a lead in general, they kind of start easing off because, I mean, we saw this against the Bulls. We saw this against the Raptors late. We saw this against the Hawks. Saw it against even the Pacers. Like they get, they get this lead, and I think that's where part of that curse of like doing so well in the first half is that maybe between things regressing to the mean, and also you're more natural to take your foot off the gas because you think, okay, we got this in the bag. But it's interesting because all of these games where they get out to this large lead and let the other team back in it, they're on the road. So. I wonder if this was at home, maybe the crowd doesn't get as into it. You know, if they start hitting a couple threes, then it could potentially be a switch. So that's one of the things I'm thinking. I think it's just more, they're just naturally taking their foot off the gas and then the other team gets hot at at a time that you just don't want them to. But I'm not too concerned about it because one, I don't think there's going to be that many times where the Bucks are up 30, 20, whatever, you know, a good chunk of the second half and then the other half is once it gets to games that truly truly matter they'll be they should be more dialed in and then it's just a matter of okay what are the adjustments can you handle the adjustments the other teams are going to throw didn't we lose like every third quarter last season wasn't that oh yeah last year was awful third quarters were it was bad it seems sort of baked in, whether it's laziness or it's just not sharp enough. There's also a lot of times where Bud kind of lets it run a little bit. I'm like, okay, after the third possession where just something absolutely stupid happened, I think you got to call the timeout to be like, hey, can we do something a little different here, guys, please, for the sake of... Um, and that's I, I think we saw in the playoffs that he's a lot quicker to try and staunch the bleeding if something comes up. I think he generally wants to see them work through it. Whatever lineup happens to be out there, he doesn't want to, you know, put on the brakes just to be like, all right, let's run up a play, design up a play so that you guys can kind of get out of the rut. I think that's probably what it's more about is when we start getting into playing poorly or not playing all that crisp or running that many plays, guys get like, they just try different things randomly. Like Drew will just kind of go off and like do his own thing. And like, okay, that's fine. But that's part of like what Bud is like, oh, we'll try and figure out, like figure out what it's going to look like for you. And so that's just when he starts doing things that it's just a, a bridge too far. I think that shows through. And that's probably what it is more than anything. It, it's not that they are not putting in the effort. It's not that they're obviously purposefully trying to give the ball to the other team. They're just forcing things. That's a lot of the times for Drew. It's like forcing passes that, I guess you want to see if he can make it happen, like work on it. Now's the time to work on it. Um, so I, I guess it's not the end of the world. If that's mostly what it is, it's just like trying things out right now in the regular season, but I, it does seem pretty baked in now that we're on season two of this being a very consistent theme. Okay. Last thing from this past week. So Bobby Portis went out like Kyle um, mentioned earlier, he's going to be out with a grade one MCL sprain and uh, which is, basically what Kevin Durant has been coming back from. Jeff Stotts have been street close at the average time being out is 18 days. I wouldn't be surprised if he's not back until after the All-Star break. In his stead, Bud seemed to opt to go with Wes Matthews basically off the bench. What have we thought of uh, of Bud's strategy to, to replace Portis's minutes, Kyle? I mean, in the Pacers game, Wes was huge. 
down the stretch defensively like him and drew were doing what they needed to to make sure that indiana didn't come back and end up winning the game so that it has worked out in that aspect it is kind of interesting just how bud is going about it and i think you know i think tonight he's giving jordan war a pretty decent amount of minutes I'm sure Marjan is going to get a chance at getting a decent amount of minutes. Might not tonight, um, but I would, I think it's going to probably be West that takes on that load of the Bobby less minutes, which not a bad option. We probably shouldn't completely put him in the cryo chamber and let him just not be good to go. I am slightly surprised we haven't seen George Hill as much um, just because, again, that's another player where you don't want them to – come into playoff time cold and not having played in an extended stretch. So I would at least see what George Hill can do. And just again, when you're going from drew and maybe it's because they know like, okay, we got Chris back. We have Julian goals. Like we don't need a ball handler per se, but if Javon Carter is going to get himself fouled out within 20 minutes and getting three fouls in a short stretch, maybe, maybe we should try George Hill for a little bit. Yeah, it's ironic we're talking about Wes. I'm watching now. Wes literally just got an offensive rebound and a putback. Uh, if you're going to try and replace Bobby, you're going to need somebody who's going to do the garbage man work. And Wes doesn't, he doesn't shoot anymore, like literally ever. Uh, <laughs> he shot a couple more times, but he doesn't really shoot anymore. Uh, but he consistently is in in the paint <laughs> going to war with dudes, which I, I respect the hell out of because he went from not playing at all to like, hey, go fight these 20 year old dudes for like 30 minutes ignite. Um, and Wes is fully capable of that. I it makes sense to me. I don't know who else, it, it, what happened. What's, what's, what's up with that DJ guy? The, the singer songwriter. We came from, came from LA that we have. What happened to that guy? Isn't he, don't we have another big guy in the roster or do we have to ever talk about surge on the podcast? I don't think we did. We um, briefly, but yeah, yeah I don't think Serge oh. is coming. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so if if Serge is just a wall, um, uh, you know, respect to Mamu, but this is not the actual like rotation minutes are not for Mamu. So uh, I think Wes is the most capable. If it's not going to be Marshawn, because um, I don't think Marshawn is going to be able to like play up the way that Wes would defensively. Um, I think it makes sense that Wes gets it, whether or not that's indicative at all of the deeper role it, i think it's maybe a look for the playoffs as well um for smaller lineups as well so uh makes sense to me I, I don't no issues with it at all okay cool all right let's move on let's talk a little bit about the trade deadline which is coming up that's on february 9th obviously the bucks have been linked to a lot of different names of various uh qualities in the nba I'm going to uh, – so here's basically what the Bucks probably have to trade. They can't trade any first-round first round picks until they're 2029 first-round picks, so that is available to them. They also have a couple seconds coming in from Portland and Indiana. They also have um, their own seconds for uh, a couple future drafts. I think they own their 2025 to Orlando. Um, shout out John Hammond for letting us be able to pick Jordan Wara, I think, in that draft a few years ago. So that's that's working out swimmingly. My first question, just to set the table before we talk about specific names, Riley, do the Bucks need to make a trade in your view? This is why sports are so funny. Had you asked me a week ago, I'd be like, absolutely. Half these bums got to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we win three games against admittedly poor competition. I'm like, oh, we might never lose again. So <laughs> uh, the more I think about it, I, I think we I think we would still benefit from it um, because we have a lot of guys who are on in the middle zone who, okay, maybe they could be in a playoff rotation, but we did the exercise two weeks ago and I was like, Jesus, <laughs> it drops off after the top four quickly. Um, I, I think we, we should still be in the market for a trade. I, it, whether it be Jay Crowder, who is the, the person we've been linked to the most uh, most of the season there's space in a hypothetical eight-man rotation for any sort of upgrade to make it so I, I think we should be looking to make a trade for sure now if you ask me which guys should go who who like how high we should be willing to go on the roster in terms of trades to make that happen that's a little bit more dicey but i think we, for sure we should be in the market for a trade yeah the Bucks should at least explore what's out there um now again depending on the guy 
I'm probably I don't want them to part with that 2029 first round pick at all. It's I I just don't feel there is anyone out there right now that is worth giving that up, especially because that is six years from now. We don't know what state the Bucks will be in. You, they might likely be in a rebuild at that point. So the last thing you need is to give away a potential rebuilding piece for a chance at maybe getting past Boston. And I think we saw like this team when it wants to can be really, really good. Um, But it's now questions on depth. And I think what you have to look for is, is this guy worth trying? Is this, is this someone that is, you definitely think I will, they are going to make that eight man rotation regardless. Like they will be in that rotation come playoff time. And with all the names that are linked out there, my answer would be no. So how much are you really going to be able to give up? And because you don't have that many assets in the first place, it it does limit it. I think the Bucs should try and make a trade, but they also need to be smart about it and not just make a trade for the sake of making a trade. Like you don't need to trade Grayson Allen just because there is a guy that might be okay. You, t- you tell me Grayson and a first for Jay Crowder might be a little bit of an overpay or <laughs> I think Grayson Allen for Jay Crowder straight up is an, is an overpay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good, so you, you wouldn't do that. Cause I think I put that in one of no. our reacts questions for the, for the, for the readers. And I haven't seen the results. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, I, for me, if you're going to trade Grayson Allen, you need to get someone that is comparable in both age and skill set. Because there's no point in trading Grayson Allen for his faults. He can shoot the ball. He is someone that if he needs to, he can drive and be okay at the rim. Why trade that for a guy that has not played basketball in what, eight months now? I I, I don't see the purpose for it. I would not want to trade Grayson Allen unless you were getting a definitive upgrade. Someone that can come in and be that fifth starter. Yeah, which the again, whole, there's not a lot of those out there. What what we're doing with the, if Jay Crowder is the one we're angling for, we're literally just doing PJ Part Two is what we're trying to angle for. Is like guy who is full of piss and vinegar who will like <laughs> who won't you know cause too much of a ruckus. Hopefully, in the locker room will like fit in and then can reliably like beat the crap out of opponents for a couple you know select minutes in the playoffs. Um, I'm. I would be more than willing to trade Grayson Allen, but yes, trading just for Jay Crowder would be a bit of an overpay. Um, if you got to throw Grayson in for something bigger in terms of salary, if it's uh, somebody better. But again, I think we're in this weird spot where we might have salary pieces that could match, but we don't have the like other draft capital to help outbid other teams that might be in the market for same guys. Um, so yeah, I, I think Grayson Allen would be too much, um, but I, I'm not, He's not off limits by any stretch of the imagination right. in terms of the trade market. Is is Jay Crowder or maybe a Jay Crowder type, is that what you view Kyle as the piece that the Bucks would most need? Or like what are what are if you're thinking about who the Bucks would be trying to trade for, what are like some of the things or attributes that you think are most would be most in demand for you? A ball someone that is competent as a ball handler and can facilitate an offense so that you could have Drew play off the ball. And if Drew and Joe Ingles are both not in, you have someone that you trust. That is my biggest thing. Because like I said, there's Drew, there's Joe Ingles, and then there's a whole lot of, sure, I guess. Like, yes, Chris can do it. I don't love that. Giannis can do it. I don't love that. George Hill can do it. I don't know if he can. George Hill can in theory. I don't know if in reality he will be able to. So, that would be my biggest thing. Number one is someone that can facilitate an offense. And then the other thing is going to be a young athletic wing type player, which that one I know is very, very hard to get at a cheap price unless they literally cannot dribble a basketball and shoot at the same time. They, 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 unless they have no other tangible skills. Sound a lot like Sadiq Bay out here, who is also <laughs> linked to us on the market. Like, give me a Thanasis athletic type of dude without the chaos. I I think I so Jay Crowder I like the idea of it because I mean we saw the the PJ formula worked more or less why not try and do that again I 
I understand the desire for somebody who could um, at least hold their own dribbling the ball a little bit, but I think we have that already in like Joe Ingles, for example, if we are worried about that. Um, the guard, I'm not even concerned about guards because we we have plenty of them and we don't play many of them anyhow. Javon is there for a very specific use case if you want like a you know guy of a certain size depending on the matchup. Um, and then just a whole bunch of dudes who are roughly the same heights, like Pat, Grayson, Wes, um, and they each differ a little bit on what they bring on both ends of the floor. But I think we have enough coverage in terms of guards. Um, so I would be looking for wings and forwards. Um, and I, I think it's perfectly adequate to say, if you can shoot threes and uh, beat up other dudes, we are happy with that. And um, that would be like Jay Crowder. That would kind of fit the mold. Um, and I really can't, the names that I've seen this linked to, there's not been a single guy. I'm like, wow, that would be, that makes a lot of sense. They make varying amounts of sense, just as in any team, any player you could kind of meld them in. But in terms of like, oh, this is a really good fit, or this is exactly what we should be looking for. Um, I think the direction of Jay Crowder is the right one, whether or not it ends up being Jay Crowder or like a different guy, we take a bet on their upside. That's, that's kind of more of the question here. Yeah. Jay Crowder skill set makes is what would be great but not jake crowder himself <laughs> i i yeah i have a i have a hard time with all the crowder thing trying to wrap my head around and figure out the best thing to do it so presumably the reason you're trading for jake crowder is so that you can get past boston that that's that's the primary thing right like that's that's your primary opponent so when i'm thinking about the biggest issues in the rotation last year it was grayson allen who would have questions about whether he'd be able to play George Hill questions about whether he'd be able to play versus Boston. So that's fair. So when I'm thinking about that though, I'm replacing many minutes with Chris, who is essentially exactly what we were missing, which is someone who can guard large wings. So that's a lot of minutes already soaked up. And then I think you, I, I frankly think what this is when Wes actually will get back into the stuff, because if you just, if you just watch him, defensively it, it's just totally it's just totally different from over every, almost everyone else besides drew like I, I i think he has the sort of pj tucker get under a guy's skin over the course of seven games there's some sort of level of attrition i mean no matter what you want to say like obviously kd went off against pj tucker but i, th- I think on some level there's some benefit to that and so i think he'll might be able to fill those minutes and then and then you have joe who's also joe ingles who's also a wing and sort of fills a lot of those minutes so i you know, I think Crowder would be useful, but I also think Grayson Allen can help in a lot of other playoff settings, like in much the same way, I've said this before, in much the same way Bobby might have been unplayable against the Nets. He was also pretty central to the subsequent series that they played against the Hawks and the Suns. And that, that could be the case for Allen, maybe not to that degree, but um, that's that's kind of the reason why maybe I, I probably may not give up um, Grayson for Jay, who also would want, who also needs another contract, and I, I wonder if the Bucks would want to give him that contract after this season. So, yeah, could you imagine we do literally like step for step, we do the PJ experience. He comes in, we like it works. He like becomes beloved. We win another title, and we say kick rocks, dork. <laughs> 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 On some level, I would respect that. I would respect yeah, I would too. Yeah, Be I consistent. Would yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> At least they're consistent about it. Okay, so... Um, all are right. There, are there like other names besides Jay that you guys have seen us regularly? Like, So I know, uh, is it uh, Bojan Bogdanovic in Detroit? Um, we've been kind of in the sweepstakes for him a little bit, but again, that's like a, we might get up. Are there other names that we've been linked to it all that you guys have seen i i know Adam, people put it like on here. how about, how about cam reddish are you guys excited for <laughs> cam reddish i jordan? already tweeted this if you want to throw abaka and slash or jordan wara straight up for cam reddish i will do that deal in a heartbeat Goodbye, that's jordan. it yes. bye see ya jordan wara yeah if, if it's one of serge abaka or jordan wara for cam reddish straight up great if it's both of them for cam reddish i'll still take that deal like I will do that. I'm not throwing any draft picks, but if you want to just do that straight up, sure, why not? At this point, I don't know if Cameron just needs a new environment, and because this is a guy that was one of the top prospects and then went to Duke and had was pretty good, solid at Duke, 
and all of a sudden he just isn't good at basketball and the pros like that is possible but at least i know there's still something there could be something there's at least some intrigue i know Serge Ibaka is done with milwaukee i know jordan war is not that good what so give me something at least give me some intrigue instead of two dudes that are just wasting time on the bench that i know are not going to be good enough and are not going to sniff the court come playoff time and See one isn't happens. even one isn't even on the bench Right. <laughs> One is on a bench. He might be on a sauna bench. I don't That's know. That's true. Good point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Cam Reddish, I'm at that point. If you want to sell absolutely low, sure, why not? I'll at least give it a shot. But don't throw if it involves any draft picks, if it requires unless you're throwing in like Emmanuel quickly, then it starts to get a little dicey. Yeah, the only other names, I mean, I put quickly in here. I think that one is like pretty loose, and I've seen that way less than any of the others. Eric I would be fine with that one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I also heard that it seemed like they either shut down. I thought I saw a report that they either shut down quickly offers or they're requiring a first for him, which like. Same with Bogdanovich. I just didn't bother acknowledging that one just because I know they're going to want. I think Detroit wants a first round pick. So it's like, eh, the Bucs are going to get outbid for that anytime. I feel like I I can't remember if this one was on the table, but I thought I remember seeing this sort of four seconds for Eric Gordon potentially Ugh, as a as a, no. a framework or something. That's, See, this, that's Nikola Miritich two point Like here, here's all of our second round picks that we just have sitting in the couch. Take them, please. But it's it sounded like that was also reported potentially for Jay, which was like possibly three seconds as part of that Rui Hachimura deal. There was some sort of formation of it where the bucks were going to give up three seconds i would have been slightly okay with if it was that one i would have probably been slightly more okay with like two or three seconds for and for jay crowder okay like i can at least be talked into that absolutely not at eric gordon i'm maybe 10 years ago sure (laughs) what whatever second round picks we're horrible at drafting we're a horrible (laughs) drafting team take all the seconds get them out of here get it i don't care what second round picks in the future easy come easy go we're here to acquire them to ship them on for somebody else i don't care how many seconds if you could keep for jay crowder you could just keep increasing and be like yep keep going keep going i don't care who cares about second round picks um it's so long as they're whatever if it takes three second round picks four second round picks to get like a jay crowder no big deal that's what we did for nicola miritich now that ended up horribly but that's what you get when you're a team in our space at our like on our timeline. First round picks are already like, ah, maybe not that helpful. 2029 is different because that's further down the road. Second round picks that happen in the next like two or three seasons. Get them out of here. They're more valuable getting us somebody right now. So I don't balk at that whatsoever. If that's what another team is looking to get for somebody who might contribute like right now or this season, next season. Yeah. Jay Crowder. Sure. Not. Again, Eric Gordon, I'm surprised he's still in the league. Yeah. Yeah. I I haven't seen that many other like tangible names. I mean, I think it sounded like Jordan Clarkson, the Utah stuff seems kind of off the table. Uh I I don't know what's going on in Charlotte, like any sort of like Kelly Oubre or PJ Washington or anything like that. Yeah, I feel I like I saw people- one that was loosely floated. I think the Athletic had one that was like Josh Hart for Grayson, Jordan Wara, and 2029. Ooh. Hmm. I'd have to think about that. It's, it's kind of how, – how tall is Josh Hart? I don't watch – I'm pretty sure he's like one of the one of these like 6'5", six, 6'6 six, six guys with a 6'11 wingspan. And he, he like rebounds <laughs> yeah. really well, so he's like kind of fitting like the Horst archetype. Or like that's the one where it's like – Okay, if you have to, if you can do like a Grayson, Wara, and all the second round picks, absolutely do that. Like that would be a okay. I'm a, I will be open to that. I, but yeah, that was what I saw. I was like, oh, that's actually not the worst idea I've ever seen. Would you? So would you trade the first for for Bo? Would you trade a first for Bojan Bogdanovic? No. Okay, Ooh, I sir, I I think I would. Okay, he's, so he's on a, he's you, on a really crappy t- now. He's on a crappy team, so he can put up numbers. But he's like, if your con- if your concern is like our offense might just go to shit, and it it might <laughs> very very uh, there's a high chance of that. In terms of guys who still have the athleticism to like create their own shots, uh, he's and is on the market like somewhat on the market. I think he's probably near the top of the list, right? If you're not going to go to the Jordan Clarkson route, which uh, I understand people's concerns about that, given his size and things like that. 
Um, at least Bogdanovich is a little bit bigger, so you can squint and be like, oh, maybe he'll won't be a speed bump on defense. Um, but I'd consider it for sure. I yeah, I consider. I'd still lean no, just because that this is one where it's kind of like. If I part with Grayson Allen and a first round, do I want to do that? Do I want to do both of those for Boyan? And it's like, uh, no. I think it's only because it kind of goes back to if you're going to get rid of Grayson, I would want someone that is like definitely better or young enough that at least – and you have a long-term con- – like if it was like someone that's got two, three years still on their deal and is young enough and maybe is an as good as Grayson, but you know, like, okay, they they can play in the rotation. That's kind of where I, I don't know. I, I'd still lean no, but it, it, I would, I can be talked into it, but I'm going to say no. I think, I think I'm more in Kyle's camp, but I, I'm definitely straddling the line. So, cause it's kind of sounds like Riley, you're, you'd be willing to say, okay, goodbye 2029 first. Like, let's, let's just, we have a few years here and that might be it before everything just turns to turns to junk. So why not yeah. mortgage a little bit of future? Is that kind of what you're thinking? It, it's such a tough balance. I don't envy John horse trying to figure it out whatsoever because there's, well, we could be in a rebuild. There is still a possibility. Giannis is still here. Um, you know, he'd be on the twilight of his career at that point. But um, yeah, I, I think if the right deal comes up now, maybe, I'm being ridiculous and Bogdanovich isn't nearly like um, worthy enough, but if it's what it takes to get like, okay, we think this is like the real deal guy. um, If that's what it takes to kind of like get into the conversation. I, I don't think, again, we're horrible at drafting. I don't think we'd need to be um, shy about potentially trading if that's what it takes. So I'm not, it's not off limits for me, Um, but I'm a horrible talent evaluator. So God only knows um, if that would be actually like a good use of the first round pick. The other part, by 2029, you're not going to have Drew's contract. You're not going to have Chris's contract, potentially. And guys like, like a lot of the contracts that are taking up a lot of the Bucks' current cap space will not be there by then. Granted, they might throw that money to someone else. And maybe they rebuild and maybe they reload. They don't go through rebuild. And they reload and are able to get a couple, like one or two free agents. And they're kind of back to the same position where you're kind of in this window where you can win now, but it's just, it's kind of tough. I, yeah, I, again, I'm not saying the 2029 pick is absolutely off limits, but it's going to, I'm going to need to be convinced that this is someone that, that can help Milwaukee beat Boston right now to do it. Yeah. This is a, this is a tricky trade deadline, I think, because they have, they have finally have that sort of future asset reopened up after the Drew trade. They also have a first rounder that they just drafted this past year, Marjan Bochamp, who's for whatever you you want to say about his his value, he was just a first round pick, and I think some other teams might still like him because they probably had decent draft evals. And he's looked, I mean, like I said, I think he's looked better than what I could have expected from these initial um, initial viewings of him. So it, it's hard to decide where what horse should do, especially given there's, there's also the looming sort of Chris contract. So there's kind of the decision that's going to be, you know, if they do extend him, presuming hopefully that they will, um, you know, they're going to be all in for a few years here. And if they re up Brooke, like, are we just going to wait? And hopefully those future assets, as they open up more, we reload once Chris and Drew and Brooke and all these other guys are out of town, or are we going to just kind of push it all in and try and win as many titles as we can right now? It's, it's tricky. And I mean, the other hard, the hard part is when you look at all these names, like I think like we've all said, I mean, I'm not I'm not super excited about almost any of these names. And I, I feel like sometimes this always happens too with the trade deadline where it's coming down and I'm like, ah, OK, I mean, these names are interesting, but they're all still kind of like fringe talents. Are they are they going to be good enough to, to plug in and, and, and play? So, I mean, if the, if the trade deadline passes and horse doesn't make a trade, I don't know, will you feel any any differently or like you know pessimistic about the team or like disappointed i wouldn't say so i think it would then really make me think okay but who like as we saw who are who are the three off the bench that we're really going to roll with and assuming pat and bobby are two of them who's that third person and you're kind of sitting there 
and probably going to be Joe Ingles. And it's those are your eight, and you roll with it, and you say, all right, cool. Let's do this and hope for the best. Like I, I don't think I would be disappointed, but it really would put the onus on this is the team you've got, and you're going to have to answer a lot of questions depending on how things go in the offseason between – what do you do? What do you try and trade Grayson Allen again around the draft? Are you? What are you going to do with Brooke? What are you going to do with Chris? It, it will, and it'll definitely make me curious. It'll make the summer much more interesting. But no, I wouldn't be disappointed. I'd be disappointed in John Horst, if only because he had a predecessor who took on the mantle, took on the nickname, took on the role of Trader John. And he has stepped up to the plate and said, I'm going to, he put it on his back. He said, I'm Superman. I'm Trader John now. And if he didn't trade, like he's traded at every deadline since he became GM, I'd be a little disappointed in him. So uh, I, <laughs> I expect him to, because that's just what he does. My man loves a good deal. Um, he likes shopping. So I expect a trade. It's not like I would be like, oh my God, <laughs> we're going to crash out in the first round. I, I wouldn't be like devastated <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. And again, he can make a trade. I'll trade Serge Ibaka for literally a top 55 protected <laughs> yeah. draft pick. And I'll be like, all right, sure, why not? <laughs> it, could, it could literally be like a total end of the bench guy. Like, we're just, It could be cash. It, it could just straight up be cash. It could seriously, I mean, if it, I don't know how feasible, but if it's even just like open trying to get like a crappy two for one to try and open up a roster spot, like, okay, we'll go for a buyout guy instead. Okay, sure. Like, just give me something that's like, we're, we're, being proactive about the situation uh, we want to continue to like evaluate roll forward like okay if this guy is really if we don't see him as like kyle said in the eight nine man rotation let's see if we can find a way to maybe find a guy who could be that um or even open up a spot if down the road there's a buyout guy uh so i i expect him to do some sort of trade because that's just in their mo um but i would not be devastated obviously if it didn't happen if the trade deadline passes and Bud is still putting Jordan Wara out there, Kyle, uh, presumably for an, for an audition, what what how will you feel? Uh, there's got to be some spider pettiness behind the scenes <laughs> that we don't know about because there's no freaking reason that he should be playing. <laughs> unless unless we are going where we don't care about this game, we are punting. Every, like all the main players are resting tonight. Load management. There's no reason Jordan Wara should be out there. <laughs> What what date is the trade deadline? What do, do we know the exact February ninth? Okay, February 9th. Do we play that day? Uh, that's that's a lot of that's a lot of questions. Whatever that day is, that's the last time I will ever see Jordan Wara playing a Milwaukee Bucks uniform. Because even if he's still on the roster, I'm gonna bird box it and I'm gonna pretend I can't see anything. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna <laughs> in my own minds like he's not on the team anymore. That's the way I'm gonna approach it. We play the Lakers that night. <laughs> which could be a good game for <laughs> all right i kind of sneaky hope he sticks around just to have like okay a, so yeah they play they are in la and then they play at, against the clippers the next day you can just trade it to one of those teams and just keep them in la <laughs> oh man i actually i i kind of i see the storyline coming out we wait all day he's waiting to see what's my future and then he just shows out he's like f you haters when he shows or you know has like a five for ten game or something like that i see it all coming together um, uh, yeah i hope he's not on the team and yeah uh, i mean nothing gets personally obviously he did a behind the back pass the other day which was good i just i'm just not a fan of this game so we, we hope- know he's not good there's no like we don't need to keep <laughs> pretending and telling ourselves that he is he's not Thanks. good Thanks, Kyle. You, you, you said what I should have just said. Okay. Very All right. too. Yeah. Yes, for sure. All <laughs> right, let's take an ad break. And then on the other side of this, Riley's got a quiz for Kyle and I again. And then we still got Kyle's... ads. <laughs> well, oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to put this one up. We're just going to have a quote unquote ad break. And as most people know, we're back. And you probably didn't hear an ad roll because Megaphone didn't put in the ad roll. Uh, you know, <laughs> shout out. Shout out. Yeah, anyway. You've been confused over the years of us saying, here comes an ad break and then nothing actually happens. We've also been confused. So yeah. you're not alone in that. Yes, you're not alone. We've put them in. I also wonder where they are in many other uh, podcasts that I listen to from the from the platform. Okay, Riley, t- take us away on your quiz. 
Uh, I didn't hear any sort of feedback from listeners whatsoever, but I assumed that the quiz went over well from everyone. So I said, let's come up with another one here. I teased it at the end of the last podcast. Um, Kyle and Adam's task today is to name as many of the 16 players who played even a minute for the Milwaukee Bucks during their 2021 finals run. Um, what we're going to do, I think Kyle, you started first last time. So Adam, yeah. we will give you the first selection here. Um, w- when we start struggling, I'll start giving some hints, um, but it's going to be a point each. And uh, I-, I will say there are 16. We could have a tie. I don't have a tiebreaker. Let's just hope I have to give one of them to you guys. So that solves it. So Adam, you can start uh, and then we'll just switch off guesses. Okay. Uh, Giannis. Yes. Okay. One Drew. to Adam. One to Kyle. Chris. One to Adam. Brooke. <laughs> One to Kyle. Bobby Portis. Okay. Yep. Pat Connaughton. Yep. PJ Tucker. Yep. The first the first half of this is gonna be it's gonna be the the like 11 through 16 that's gonna be tough but okay so pj tucker dante dante yep um jeff teague yep jeff teague can't forget the <laughs> <Duke> jeff <Teague> game thanasis <laughs> yeah. wait what? didn't i don't think thanasis played i don't I looked through all the series. I don't see him on here. Dang. I thought he would have gotten some garbage time in one of the games. <laughs> oh, that's I, I can double. I'll double check that, but I don't think the Gnosis is on here. Hold on. Hold on. This is scintillating live air, folks. <laughs> yeah, I can just look him up. That'd be easier that way. I was going to say um, that. Adam, that Adam you continue but... while, uh, while I look this up. Okay. Um, uh, okay. Jordan War. Jordan War uh, is on the board, yes. So Adam's up to six. Kyle, you are at four right now. While I look up the Nasus. Um. Oh, Bryn Forbes. Bryn Forbes, yes. Kyle's up oh. to five. Bryn Forbes. No, I'm gonna struggle. <laughs> this is where I'm like, oh. Okay. I'd actually forgotten that Brent Brent Forbes. Um, Sam Merrill. Sam Merrill did get some minutes. He did get some minutes. Um. Oh, I don't know. I don't know why Thanasis isn't on here, Kyle. He he was on there. So Kyle, okay. you're up to six. Sorry, I don't know why that was. That's fine. Getting counted. Uh No, he was this past year, not the title year. Um. Mamadi Diakite? Yes, Mamadi. We are tied up now. That's how it. many how many have we named? Fourteen? Yeah. How many are uh, left? You guys have gotten you guys have gotten to fourteen. There's let's see here. One, two, three. I think I see three guys. Um that you guys haven't. Uh, maybe four guys. No, three guys. Three guys you guys haven't gotten yet. Oh boy. And these are some some deep cuts, so this is going to be. Oh my god! Is it, uh, okay, is it is it Elijah Hughes? Elijah's the first name, not no. Elijah Hughes. Uh, Kyle, can you steal? Kyle for the steal. Um, <laughs> Elijah Bryant. That's right, Bryant. Ah. Elijah Bryant. There it is. Yep. Okay. okay. Kyle takes the lead. Two more. Uh, Adam, you can you can go here again. <laughs> I'm I'm struggling here. Uh, I yeah I know. I'm like there's gonna be some dude that like I did not know was even on the team. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh... I believe both of these guys would have been. So these are like the two way guys. I, I believe they were two way oh, guys. Oh god. By the time. Okay, never mind. No. I was. 
I was gonna throw DJ Wilson out there. Like, was he on the team at that point, yeah. or did we trade him in the PJ Tucker trade? Uh, I'm trying to remember who the two way guys even were back then. Um, Tim Frazier. Uh, Tim Frazier. No, no on Tim ah. Frazier. So one of them, uh, French. Um, he so now this is going to be whoever gets it first. This is going to be up for grabs. Small okay. forward, six seven, uh, French. Let's see other teams he had played for. He had played for Denver before coming to Milwaukee. Um, played briefly. Axel Tupin. Two- yes, Axel. Oh, tied yeah. God, he was back. All even. <laughs> I was like, this sounds a lot like Damon Inglis, and I know it's not him, but it sounds a lot like him. I wish. <laughs> All right. Our final guy here, um, Mr. It was a Mr. Forgettable. <laughs> um he went to college at UNC. He's an American. Um, small forward, power forward, six eight. Um, he had played a, actually a lot for Sacramento, Dallas, and Oklahoma Justin City Jackson before. Yeah, Justin yeah. Jackson. That's it. All right. I wanted to say Luke May. With, with nine, <laughs> we wish. Did Luke was Luke part of that season? I, I think he, he was. He might have been on the summer league, but he had no right being yeah. near an NBA roster. <laughs> I, I hope he, I hope he got a ring anyhow. All right, Adam brought it home with nine points to Kyle's eight. Uh, very ah, closely done. We did it very, together. Very, very Kyle. closely done. Yeah, yeah it, was it was a good team team effort. effort. It was, we were definitely scraping bottom of the barrel. Yeah, we yeah. each got an A on the group project. Okay. Uh, Good job, guys. Remember those names. Those are those are titans in our, in our franchise. Hey, DJ Augustine's history. hair was very valuable as well to the title. <laughs> Extremely, yeah. All right, Kyle. We, the fans have waited weeks for this. Your review of Glass Onion. Yeah, I finally finished it um, this past week. So <laughs> for those that didn't know, I had started Glass Onion. We got 20, maybe 30 minutes in it. Emma fell asleep. So we never got a chance to see the whole movie until recent until like i said this week um it was pretty good i enjoyed it it was i will say it's not as good as knives out i don't think that's really like to anyone's fault i just think the concept of knives out was just so good i will say the curveball for glass onion definitely got me i would not have predicted that curveball at all so i'm trying not to spoil it because it's still relatively new so i don't want to give too much spoils away but I think it was, it, it it definitely had more of a curveball than Knives Out did, but I think Knives Out was just a more enjoyable, just because I feel like with the characters, it was kind of like, okay, I think I got a sense of who they are and whether I like them or hate them. While I got, while one you're getting through Glass on, you're kind of like, only one of them is kind of interesting and everyone, like there's like two characters that are interesting and everyone else is just kind of there. Which, again not anyone's fault it's just it's hard to try and get that lightning in a bottle twice um as well and i like i said because i had just watched knives out less like two three weeks ago i still have that more freshly in my mind so i i still think glass on was pretty good i think the story made sense i think like i said the making fun of billionaires and rich people i'm always a fan of um i just i will say it's good it's just not as good as knives out so I think I gave Knives Out like a seven and a half. So I'll give Glass on the a seven. I also watched it. I'm not sure if I would. Hmm. It was. I thought it was pretty good. I, I haven't rewatched it. I think I need to go back to be like, oh, can I tell all the twists as they go back? Like, oh, this, this, this and this. Um, because I it's not that I hate, but I always appreciate when like, Oh, this scene, you had to like really be paying attention. Then you would have noticed it the first time through. So I don't know if they actually do that. Um, it almost feels like Daniel Craig's character. They like, uh... kind of did. Cause when they get to the plot twist, then they're still, they kind of go into explaining the buildup to it. And then once you kind of, once they kind of get to the buildup, then it starts showing like the alternate. Then it starts like starting to, bring in the parts that you of the movie that you had already seen yeah if that makes sense yeah it, well and like it almost it's weird because it feels like in most detective movies um that whoever the detective is like they are like the lead and daniel craig's character 
I mean, he obviously is one of the main characters, but it seems like they divide it out pretty equally a lot, uh, among a lot of the other supporting actors as well. So um, I, I appreciated that, but because it's so different of a role for Daniel Craig to play than like the obvious one is James Bond, I almost want him to like, let's get a little bit more of like whatever character he's trying to portray or just because it's so different from James Bond like and it could be not your cup of tea but at least it's unique um and I think that's partially because they have such a like a ensemble cast that it's like I I don't mind them including everybody but um, that was something that was like oh maybe a little more Daniel Craig but yeah 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 that yeah that makes sense I think Janelle Monet did really, really well. So I think because she was so good, it kind of felt like it wasn't as much Daniel Craig as we would have expected. Mm-hmm. It, it really, she's she's almost like the lead lead actress in yeah uh, in the movie as it is. Yeah, it's it, she was good in it as well. So I agree. Yeah, and that's not, like yeah the ensemble cast like Batista and Kate Hudson and. Catherine Hahn and Leslie Odom Jr. Like they all do pretty well, but it's like it's clear like. These are the stars, and these are the support. And I forgot the dude that plays the billionaire. I forgot. I know that's another relatively famous actor, but yeah, no, it was. It, it is a good movie. Like, definitely watch it. I, I would. I would recommend people watch it. I just, if you're expecting it to be better than Knives Out, I would maybe temper those expectations. Seems fair. Seems fair. All right, predictions. Let's close it out. We've got a home stand this week against the Hornets. The Clippers and the Heat, three games. Kyle, what's your prediction for the record? I will say two and one. Beat the Hornets, because I don't think the Hornets are going to have 80-something points and a half like they did the last time these two teams played. Uh, I think the Clippers, they will struggle and lose too. I think I feel like the Clippers are quietly playing really, really well at the moment when they're healthy. So that'll just be interesting to see. And then I think they do beat the Heat. I, I I think they were competitive against the Heat without Giannis and Chris. And for one of those games, Joe Ingles, like they were competitive. I, I, I think with them, it should be. A, I'll say two and one. I think beat the Hornets, beat the Heat, uh, close loss to the Clippers. I think we'll go three and no. I don't know what the score of the Pelicans game right now is, but I'm firmly in the we're never losing a game again camp. Uh, and I they the Bucks are up twenty one with a little over a minute left in the third. I'm not saying I'm magic, but I'm speaking truth right now. So uh, obviously we could rest a whole bunch of guys and then just totally lose. But assuming most guys play, I think we'll go three and zero this week. I like that. I'm going three and zero as well. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna run it out. And I also, I haven't checked the injury reports, but I never know what's going on with the Clippers. And I don't know. It seems like the Heat could have some people who might be out for that game. I can never remember. They're always resting some people. So I think hopefully the Bucks will be able to pull it out, go three and zero as we get closer to the All Star break. In the meantime, go to brewhoop.com for all of our usual coverage, our usual pieces, and um, feel free to share the podcast with your friends. Uh, and uh, have them subscribe while they still can. So we'll, uh, (laughs) we will talk to you again soon.